Okay, we're gonna try. No, there's no, no, nothing happening. Hang on, try. Okay, hang. Oh, uh, looks like we got audio again. So I guess we're gonna have to start over here because I'm getting reports that uh, there was a lot of it, a lot of message that just was not being broadcast because the volume and amperage was just not up. So I hope everybody's getting it now. Uh, it looks like on the um, the screen here that uh, the volume is um, is there. So we'll just start over. So tonight we're talking about continuous revelation, and e and we're talking about eternal justification. Those are the two subjects. But you will discover there's going to be a whole lot of other uh, subjects that are fused into that that are exceptional and very, very interesting. So, starting from the book of Romans, and starting with chapter 11 and verse 26, it says, and, and we're going to call that a, um, a synecdoche, 
which means that there is much more to this verse that is to be added uh, that is implied within it. And so, all Israel, all, A-L, Israel, shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And concerning the gospel, they are enemies. Um, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so these also now not believe that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. For God hath in, has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Now, if you don't think that that's quite a a bit of deep, profound, provocative verse, then uh, you must be sitting on the moon tonight because there are some incredible things. Now, before I interpret this, I want to skip over a little earlier in the scripture of the 11th chapter, and I want to read something else that actually goes along with these verses that I just read. In the 11th chapter of, of Romans, and beginning with um, verse 7, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he, he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, now let's suppose that within the context, as most theologians accept and believe this, that the election refers to those persons in the group of Israel who are believers. And then the people that are not believers but are still part of Israel, those are the people because they are not believers that are blinded. Okay? Let's just, let's just approach, it, approach it from that standpoint right now. Uh, verse 8. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear unto, until this day. Now, you have to understand when it says that God has created this thing of them not being able to see and not being able to hear, basically, therefore, not being able to understand. And that that goes into the past and that remains right up into the day that this book of Romans here was written. So we were talking about a long span that this characterization of being an act of God which was numbing the people's eyesight and hearing was being in effect and now I want you to hear this next part here this is absolutely incredible and David saith verse, verse 9 chapter 11 Romans let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. 
Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back away. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? I repeat, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. Now, Let's see if we can catch the scope of this. Because this is absolutely terrific stuff. The Bible talks about there being vessels made by the potter of honor and vessels of dishonor. And those vessels are made out of the same clay and from the same spinning process and from all of the expertise process and yet one vessel becomes a vessel of dishonor and the other vessel becomes a vessel of honor now through the out the Bible we have seen where God had put certain um, mental attitudes on even the Pharaoh so that the Pharaoh was reluctant to let the children of Israel go because God had put that spirit of reluctance on him. As a result, all kinds of terrible consequences came upon the people of Egypt. Now, for some people, they find that just, they would find that just exasperating and very difficult to put God in that particular category because it looks like that God is doing something sort of anti-God something that is not expected of God and because of scriptures like that in the Bible that people have read there's people that have turned against believing in God and the, the importance of the manifest teachings is to show the reality of the Bible the greatest book that was ever written on earth and the importance of it so that people can read the Bible with an understanding in a way they've never understood it before. Now there's something beautiful in this. There's something absolutely beautiful. Let's say for instance due to whatever medical reasons that might be part of the conglomerate whatever birth defects whatever other uh, problems that might be added uh, to the lump of the situation that you give birth to a child and this child is just uh, to a great extent mentally incapacitated from acting in a normal sense due to this particular dysfunctional uh, problem of the body and then a person might think religiously well you know what chance does this person have to ever be saved how could you really ever 
fruitfully explain to this person how to accept Jesus Christ as the personal Savior, how the meaning of baptism, the meaning of the Holy Spirit. How could you ever have an accountability that was legitimate developed for this person with their particular limitations and incapacitations? Well, we want to explain something to you and maybe there will be some of you have a real problem with this. But I just ask you one thing tonight that you hear me completely out, that you stick with me and hear me completely out. And that you understand one thing, that I am a total believer in Jesus Christ, that I believe in Jesus Christ and His Father, and I believe in the salvation offered by Jesus Christ, and I believe that there's no other name given on, under, under heaven whereby a person can be saved. So, you know, hopefully we are on board the same ship as we're listening to this. So maybe you can stretch your patience and your tolerability to hear the whole thing of what I say because I have lived my life in a dedication to the Word of God. I have dozens and dozens of Bibles that I have literally worn out just from reading them. And my family knows that's true and other people that I've met and have seen my my Bibles <laughs> have, have seen the, the wearing that I have done on so many, many, many Bibles. So listen to me. Give me time here. Now, vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. When you have a movie and people are given a job, some persons are hired to play uh, the bad guy. Other persons are hired to play the good guy. But sometimes the actor who plays the bad guy is so good at acting does such a sensational job for playing the part that they will get an Academy Award for it, for their acting even though they are acting out the bad guy sometimes both the bad guy and the good guy will get an Academy Award but the point of it is when you look at it you say you know that's just the job they were given to do and they both did a really good job they both are actors or actresses. And they both did a super good job. Now, in the potter and the clay and in the making of, of these vessels which represent the same equal to human bodies, sometimes there are vessels of honor or vessels of dishonor. And when we say dishonor, we don't mean that in any dishonorable way to be applied to anybody who has um, uh, any kind of, of, of mental limits. Uh, it's just a parable term. And it's just the way that the Bible has presented it to just equivocate the difference between uh, the one side and the other side. And it doesn't in any way have to mean anything more than that. But it is an important representation of a very awesome fact. Now, 
if someone ends up acting out a sinful role or unbelieving role or acts out a role that due to incapacity they cannot help but work that but but act that role according to how this scripture is written and this is sensational there does not have to be any repentance of that person for that person to be received before God for what they have worked out in their role of the dishonorable vessel and in the 29th verse of the 11th chapter it says for the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance let me read it again Romans chapter 11 verse 29 for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance there are sometimes when the very act of life becomes an act of repentance and does not call for a repentance in the way of a a confession And so God knows every single solitary human person as to their what we call the Belin. And the Belin is the, the, the life book. The book that everyone by the life they live writes. And God knows it in a way that no human can know it the same. Because God understands the effects of hereditary God understands the effects of environment. God understands the effects of the differentiation of a person's makeup from the two donors and the collective uh, generation that comes forward in the way of, of genetic depository and how that all adds up into a summation that affects the, the individual. And only God can understand that. It's like someone trying to understand the number of the stars or the number of the sand of the seas. And so when we begin to look at this, it helps us to better understand in the book of, of the Gospel of John. When in John it tells us that... Um, that you have the power that you have the power to pray for your loved ones and that uh, as long as they have not committed the the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost that you can pray for them and ask by petition for their salvation and God will grant it. Now I want to tell you this, and you can believe it or not believe it, because that's your total choice. But every day, I pray for my grandmother and my mother 
who are both deceased have both gone over to the other side they've deceased their physical life here on earth and I pray for them for peace for salvation for happiness and that is all part of the baptism of the death that it tells us about in the book of Corinthians which someday we'll do a teaching on that but it's absolutely Bible and a lot of times people haven't understood the power of being able to reach across the line and to be able to touch those people that have passed on that have made that that crossover and it's absolutely Bible and there's many many different places that reveal this which that is not my subject tonight so I won't go into it very deeply but there are many scriptures for it that, that, that show that to be the case and when you understand that it's a beautiful 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 thing because it, it shows us how thin the demarcation zone is how thin the wall is the veil is that separates the physical world from the spirit world this world from other worlds and being able to reach back in to time and do it with such pronounced faith is absolutely marvelous even in the stock market if you have an advance notice that a very prominent stock is going to to go down and it's going to reach an all-time low if you are a trader and you know what you're doing you can actually make a move so that you will make money on that stock when it goes down so that stock has the possibility to make money on if it go if, if it goes down if you trade it right or you can trade it so that it makes money if it goes up if it goes up and you you set it up that way you make money if it goes down and you set it up that way you make money well we have to understand the Bible is telling us something here that's just absolutely incredible the Bible is telling us that that there's this incredible potential that God has done that when he sees that someone is genetically, mentally, uh, spiritually just not believing because they have these blocks these impetitions then he tells us that he can go in and he can make them so they're really blind and they're really deaf to these things so that they'll not be under the damnation of the curse for having rejected salvation and having rejected Jesus Christ and having rejected the Holy Spirit and having rejected the anointed prophets of God and having rejected 
the callings of God due to knowing at least to some extent but not acting so once we understand that it is a beautiful incredible thing you know my friends who are listening I have so much to say to you about this and what I have to tell you about this is so Bible and so true and so correct and people have been misled and I'm not putting any damnation on any of these people that have taught these things incorrectly that is not the important subject we can spend our whole evening just trying to put damnation on people and call organizations and churches and preachers and priests false I am not into that that is not my style that is not my interest I am into believing for the salvation of every single solitary human being on the face of the earth and God's love for every single solitary human being on the face of the earth and God's forgiveness for every single solitary human being on the face of the earth and I believe that God's love and God's power is that full of love and that great a power that there are no limits to the saving and keeping and redeeming grace of Jesus Christ so I love the message of Jesus Christ I don't see the message of Jesus Christ in any of these other religions and some of those religions I applaud for some insights that they have and some you know beautiful truths that they have but I don't see anything out there and being a theologian and a scholar with a doctor degree on this I have looked into every religion just about that there is on the planet and I've studied them astutely and I in many cases know the doctrine of these various religious uh, expressions better than some of the preachers and the lay people do and that doesn't mean that I'm any better off than they are but it means I'm interested enough to know why people believe a certain way or don't believe a certain way and I don't just want to be in the trap of having come up from the ground into a grain field and then thinking that's the only grain field on earth and the best one I want to be so that I'm a person that looks around and compares and does what the Bible says to do proves all things so as we begin to look at this and we begin to see uh, these comparisons and these these teachings of the Lord um, it is true truthfully exciting to me it is just absolutely uh, breathtaking uh, to see how that God uh, reveals these uh, these things uh, in his love now I want to give you that scripture so that you have a Bible verse here for what I said when I said about this thing that 
God has told us we can go out and we can pray for people and their sins will be forgiven them. This is in 1 John chapter 5. So 1 John chapter 5 verse 15, I want to read it. And if we know and if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petition that we desire of him if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death sin against the Holy Spirit he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death there is a sin unto death I do not say he should pray for it ladies and gentlemen this is a right that you have as a believer as even a hearer of this word if this is the first time you have ever heard this get into your Bible and read it over and over and over and understand before God you do have this power you can reach out to people that are on earth you can reach out to people that are passed on and if there's anyone who is a brother that has sinned a sin which is not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit then he shall give him life you have the power to give that person life you have the power for those sins to be wiped out and eradicated, erased. So keeping all of that in mind, let's go back to Romans 11. Now we see that in verse 11, in chapter 11 and verse 11, it's talking about the fall upward. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? No. God forbid. Paul, how can you say that? These people have just get through, got through saying that they've got slumber. And they, just, they don't see with their eyes. They don't hear with their ears. But Paul goes on. God forbid. But rather, through their fall salvation is come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy now when we read in the Bible that the children of Israel sinned and the Babylonians came sometimes the Egyptians sometimes the Amorites and destroyed their cities put these, put these people into captivity and then we think well this happened to them because they sinned. So, you know, they're getting what they what they sowed. They're reaping what they sowed. And that would seem to be the end of the story. That would seem to be, to a lot of people, reasonable justice. But I don't think that on earth, with this human mind, that it is possible to really understand and account for God justice because in God justice that's not just vengeance God justice is justification 
So when God looks at these people that he loves, that he's made promises to their forefathers, he's thinking, well, the only way, now that they've committed these sins and got themselves in this mess as captive in Babylon, the only way that we <clears throat> can turn this around is if we can use this occasion to actually bring an understanding of God to these people that are just so totally bound in paganistic beliefs. And then the act of them coming here, being bound, being captive, because of the blindness, because of the not hearing the word, because of their sins, will actually become a fall upward instead of a fall downward. Therefore, instead of it being an eternal punishment, it becomes a proposition that actually goes toward a justification of their sin. So that not only are they beneficiary for it, but the people that took them captives have beneficiary. <coughs> we can see that we can go back and we can see it with Daniel we can see it with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego we can, we can see it with other persons who were part of the captivity and how that God used them and, and they took a stand and from that stand these people who did not believe in the God of the Jews did not believe in a Savior all of a sudden they saw incredible things Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking in the flames of fire not burnt Daniel walking in the lion's den not touched by the lions and there's many, many stories like that. So that it was turned around. And it became an incredible thing. So that this message could be spread to the rest of the world. And the rest of the world could see something of this divine thing of God that came out of a situation which was the result of the children of Israel being unfaithful to their duties and unfaithful to their belief being in a not hearing mood or mode of God being in a not seeing mood or mode of God and God saying yeah I saw where they were headed so there were prophets that were prophesying like Jeremiah and Isaiah and many others. But I, I, I blinded them and I deafened them so that they could, not, uh, they could not hear what they were saying. Because if they would really believe these prophets then they might take off somewhere and try to save their own skins but care less about the rest of the people or care less about these other nations. So I just blinded them 
so that they, because of their heart condition, so that they wouldn't even consider or believe what these prophets were saying. And then they ended up being captive. Or they ended up uh, uh, going through a physical destruction, which was all deemed to their uh, not having been able to uh, fulfill their time and a chance and getting particular recognition because they were blind and they were deaf to this and because that God had put that on them. Therefore, according to the accounting of God, that's an entirely different thing than it would be if God had not intervened. That's incredible. Let's keep on reading because that's just all incredible. So, let's read. It says, let's read again. 11.11 Romans I say have they stumbled that they should fall God forbid but rather through their fall salvation has come to the Gentiles they fell and that created salvation to the Gentiles wow changed them from a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor because of what was achieved now if the fall of them be the riches of the world Here's a fall becoming something that, is, that becomes the riches of the world. The riches for loss. Someone falls and all of a sudden there is a spell out, an overflow, a sudden opening up of these diadems of wisdom and diadems of revelation that's not been available before. Wow. And they're riches. And then it says, and the diminishing of them, actually, the, the, these Jews that were involved in this, actually diminishing, actually going down from their state of, 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 of understanding and their state of faith. The diminishing of them becoming the riches of the Gentiles. How much more when an incredible event happened, it is, I'm paraphrasing, it is saying, if the this was inverted, and this was the fullness of the revelation being manifested, then think of what that would do for the Gentiles. Wow. Verse 15. Well, let's verse 14. If by any means I may provoke to immolation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciliation or the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but the life from the dead? Oh my God. That is so absolutely astounding. That is so absolutely sensational. That is so absolutely beautiful. That is so absolutely beyond the ordinary. That is not the accounting of how mankind makes does accounting. That is not the thinking or the thought trend of how mankind is involved in thoughts and, and, and uh, trends of thoughts. And so now when we see that, then let's go a little further into this chapter and let's look at verse 25, chapter 11 of Romans. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, 
that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. This thing has happened with, with Israel. We do, do not say that there was not a triggering of it that was due to a causation, a causation by these people not fulfilling their obligations. But God, in His mercy, in His grace, and in His love, and in His covenant, reaches down and utilizes this situation, and instead of letting it be a strike against them that would actually destroy, he takes this diminishing thing and he allows it to stay in full gear and he allows it to become a vessel of dishonor, which it has the same right as the vessel of honor to apply for Academy Award from God, Spiritual Academy Award. If the people doing acting out the dishonorable vessel do as good a job as those who are acting out the, the honorable vessel, the vessel of honor, they will each get they will each get an equal reward. I, I know that's incredible. I know that's incredible, but so is this Bible, and so is the Word of God, and so is the love of God, and so is the grace of God. And so is the power of God. And so is this manifest revelation that God has raised up in at this time, at this moment, to be spoken to the world. Now, from that it goes to this next statement, which is just sensational. And, senadaki. Senadaki means that the and reserves the right to fulfill unsaid things that are implied or that have a continuum of the meaning that can only be understood to the fullest extent when all the scriptures in a contextual sense are available. <clears throat> Those scriptures have to include not just the chapter or the book but maybe the whole Bible <coughs> alright here it is verse 26 and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away God, ungodliness from Jacob <coughs> so here's where we're at if we have a God like this working for us we have an incredible thing because here are people bound here are people blind here are people deaf to these incredible revelations and they're under an issue of orders that they will stay that way until, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That this is all being done because there is an obligation that God is making to the Gentiles. Because God says in one place, you know, 
in the writings of Paul, you know, really who, who is the Jew? Who is the Jew? And he shows that the Jew isn't just someone who is genetically a Jew, but a Jew is someone who has this special uh, special unction that God puts on people that makes them election. And that same thing Jesus said from the cross, who is your mother, who is your father, who is your brother, who is your sister? Well, those that love and do the work of God, that's, that, that is who is your real mother, your real father, your real brother, your real sister, your real son. That's what the Bible teaches. All, A-L-L, all Israel shall be saved. Wow. This is a pure act of justification. This is, is, is a, an, a sensational act of justification. This is a case in which people who have done some dastardly things that's dastardly dastardly things have made some serious mistakes committed some serious sins have had their condition enfolded and branded in an inverted sense so that now what they have done applies to their good instead of against them and that is the love of God and because of this and so all Israel shall be saved and how are they going to get saved how are they going to do this because there's going to come out of Zion and deliverer and it's going to turn back turn away all ungodliness from Jacob has nothing to do about them saying, Oh God, will you, do, will you do this for me? Will you take away my sins? Will you forgive me? No, it doesn't, because you go right on down a couple of verses. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Because this is an act of justification. This is an act of justification. And we've got to understand that. And that's why when some of these people get so worked up about you know, they think that God is not looking out for the human race, and they think that that if how could how could uh, there be a God uh, that that would allow uh, the kind of crimes, uh, the kind of war, the kind of terror, uh, the kind of unjustified acts that are done uh, from human to human by humans against humans, and they feel like because of that they just can't believe that there is a God because if that was the, is a God that would allow that to happen to maybe a relative of theirs or, or anyone that they just don't want to believe in that kind of God and that is their, their problem of not understanding the Bible not understanding God not understanding regeneration not understanding how it works and, and that is what has to be manifested people have got to know that and we're going to really get into some incredible things here. Um, we, we, it's, it's just ex extremely interesting. Okay, let's, let's read a little bit more of this. Verse 30. For as ye in times past have not believed God, ye have now obtained mercy, uh, uh, you have now obtained mercy uh, through your or their unbelief. So, here's people that have not believed God 
but because of their unbelief and God taking that unbelief and putting it through justification their unbelief allows mercy to eradicate their unbelief wow even so have there are these also now not believe that through your mercy also they may obtain mercy wow for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy on them he does a blanket policy he doesn't say well okay this person they've had quite a few opportunities to know the truth they've had quite a few experiences and while they don't have all the revelation they know about the law of what you reap what you sow you reap and they know many of these things so that goes against them but instead of going that route he does this blank policy and he incorporates a whole vat of people and he concludes them all in unbelief verse 32 chapter 11 Romans he concludes them all in unbelief so that he can have mercy on them he just says they're in unbelief they're in unbelief because they haven't been able to see enough of the truth they haven't been able to hear enough of the truth they haven't had enough experiences and he's going to average law of average it out and when he does the law of average it average it, it, it becomes a blank policy that covers all of the people and they all get to be incorporated in that incredible blank policy of a insurance of God that covers them with mercy and love and patience and salvation wow wow and in verse 33 it says oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor and people that judge God for what they consider God's judgments not knowing how that God acts upon the results that have put people in a terrible bind because of the ignorant foolish and pardon me but even stupid things and lasciviously evil things that some people do and they bring themselves to a terrible predicament where they could actually be judged and that judgment would go down against them down against their soul so God then just takes a, a, a whole group of people a vast number of people and concludes them by taking let's say the averages and allowing benefits to splash over from parties to parties in this general whole whole concept of a great multitude of people way and then is able to conclude them all 
as their actions being the result of just unbelief. Wow. And because of that, then there is opened up the fountain of mercy. Before we go on to another part, in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to how other people are interpreting the Bible. Don't be conformed to how the general public or the general religious orders are interpreting the Bible. People have had the Bible wrong for generations upon generations of time. And Paul said that the same veil that was over their eyes uh, from not understanding the, the revelation to Moses is still in his time was still in his time upon the eyes of the people. They were still not getting it. They were still not understanding it. They were still not believing it. They were still not able to perceive it because of hardness in their hearts. That that had not yet been removed clear from Moses all of the way to the time of Paul. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But that's what the Bible teaches that is what the Bible says, and that is the reality of it. So, understanding that, and, and, and reading this, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. Wow. That's just absolutely incredible. Now, we we want to look at um, we want to look at some other things. Um, let's look at uh, Acts thirteen thirty nine. Just a quick stop over there. Acts thirteen thirty nine, and uh, that's well worth taking our time to read it. It says, And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. There is a higher there is a higher mountain here. There is a higher plane of the mind here. In past conditions, in past generations, under a great man of God, justification was not available. Plain, just not available in the same sense. Now, based on the legal promise of God, that God is no respecter of persons, persons, period. Not counting Jew, Greek, Roman, not counting nationalities, not counting what kind of, of color of skin. God is not a respecter of persons 
and God is equal and just unto all people. Now, when you take that from the Bible, which the Bible is very, very uh, uh, definite on that subject about God, and then you apply it going backwards, you have all these generations of time uh, that had opportunity for people, but had limits. And those limits were of the nature that there was none of those people that could be justified in the nature and in the same way that people now could be justified as in these scriptures that I am reading and manifesting to you. That that became a new and living way, a justification that was not available back in the days of Moses and after Moses. All of the way up to the later modern times in which Paul lived. Now, how does that work out then for those people? How does that work out? Well, everybody's going to get a time and a chance. The Bible teaches that. Everybody's going to get an equal time and a chance. So, those same people are going to get are going to get an opportunity to be covered through Jesus Christ by that justification. And going back in time and going back touching their lives and going back touching their living uh, uh, conditions and all the things that are pertinent to that, they are going to get touched as this redeeming angel of God goes back and cleanses away all the sins that had never been had never been cleared by uh, the sacrifices of animals. Wow, that's Bible. That is Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, now um, if you want to take another fast peek, um, this is a little bit different. But uh, let's look at Galatians chapter 3. And we'll look at uh, verse 8. So Galatians 3 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Oh, wow. Let's read it again. I want you to get the hang of this, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to get on board this. And the scripture, foreseeing, that God would justify the heathen. Now, I want you to see how the, the Bible promotes itself as a living thing. Because here it says, the scripture, not a person reading the scripture, not a prophet or a scribe interpreting the scripture, but the scripture itself. The scripture itself foreseeing. You mean the scripture has the ability to foresee? Well, that's what the Bible says. It's a living word. And I was speaking about in some of the blogs and some of my teaching how that 
this word is so sensational that it it has the ingredients in it to 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 transform so that it is always modern with every age that that is part of the continuum of life here on this planet and that that is the sensation of it that is the beauty of it and the scripture says and let's read it again and Senadaki, the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham you mean that the scripture can preach it can it literally can I will tell you something I have become so enmeshed so um, infused sometimes with this word of God with the scripture that I have had uh, a have had experiences in which some of the saints of God have come alive in the word as I was reading it prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and persons like like David and I've even had them come alive and 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 I know David was one of them but there was a couple others that said correct the mistranslations correct the word correct some of my mistakes so that this word can have its beauty of being profound as it is supposed to be and it has come alive it has taken on the personifications of of the people in it and 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 the scripture the scripture not only seeing these things as I just read to you in the eighth verse but the scripture come on people hang in here with me the scripture having the power to carry on what it knew that God would do would justify the heathen through faith preached the scripture preached the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed that was a prophecy that was a ministering that was a preaching the scriptures preached to him there is something about the capability of the scriptures to linger in your mind and then to come back in your mind as though it were a person and and to speak to you and, and to, to assure you of that word and give you confidence of the power of that word. And, and there is something about it that when you are fortified with the scripture and you are fortified with the word of God, uh, if, it, if it's the word of God and it's spoken in a prophecy, if it's revealed in a manifest, if it's revealed in a blog, and especially if it's revealed in the Bible, and, and what it, what's out there is corresponding and, and, and is agreeing with the, with the Bible, then ladies and gentlemen, there is something so powerful about that and so living about that, that it has a way of coming into your mind and giving you uh, a fruitfulness of thinking and a capability of discerning so that you can take this this engine of power and go forward with it to promote the word of God to the world. Blessed be the name of God.
So, that is a beautiful scripture. And I found it so exciting and I'm, I'm so happy to read that with you. And so happy to understand that anybody that thinks just the seed of Abraham being the Jews were what this was all about are just absolutely walking in the valley of I don't know. Because these Jews were put through this condition of not being able to see, not being able to hear, so that this message of deliverance could be passed on to these other nations that were heretofore considered pagan nations. And furthermore, and the scripture is preaching, preaching the gospel unto, Adam, unto Abraham and saying unto Abraham, In thee shall all nations. That doesn't leave out any nations. All nations. In thee shall all nations be blessed. And that word blessed is not some minor mode. If you, It has in it uh, some very, very, very important ingredients. Absolutely awesome, important uh, in, in ingredients. And we don't have the time to get into that right now. But that word blessed, it means everything. Okay. Wow. Wow. So, um, I, I, while I'm here, um, let me just, we're just right here in, in, in chapter 3 of Galatians, um, and in verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So on Mount Sinai, when it tells us in Psalms that there was 20,000 20, angels that, that uh, appeared in their chariots of fire. When we get that revelation and, and we, are, we are enriched by that revelation uh, we begin to understand that there is something very big going on that the average guy who reads the Bible has no idea what it is even talking about no idea at all wow so ladies and gentlemen in the 68th chapter you don't need to turn to, to this. Just make a note. 68th chapter of Psalms and the 17th verse, it talks about the chariots of God are 20,000 and thousands of angels. And the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. And many other beautiful things it says there, which then corresponds to the scripture that I'm reading you right here in Galatians 3 verse 19 which goes which further further corroborates that this event that happened was also ordained by the angels in the hand of a mediator which of course was Yahweh wow and 
these things all come together. They all make sense. They all tie together. They're, they are just all so beautiful in their connection. Praise God. Wow. Okay. Um, a few more fast scriptures on this justification thing. We've got so much else to talk about. I even want to talk about hell. You know exactly what is hell. What really is hell? Is hell like it's like it's being preached and talked about in the churches? Is that is that really hell? Did Jesus really teach that? Okay, we're going to get into it, and you are going to be shocked. You are absolutely going to be shocked of, as to what the Bible really says and what it really does not say. It's, it's going to be absolutely exciting, and we're going to get on that tonight. Praise the name of God. Yes, tonight. So let's turn. Uh, uh, you are in Romans. So let's just uh, uh, stay there a minute and go to chapter uh, 4, verse 25. Okay, chapter 4, verse 25. Um, if I forgot it right. Uh, it's talking about Christ raised up Jesus from the dead. Verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So this thing about justification is tied in to all the great acts of God. All the great acts of God through Jesus Christ. The resurrection. The whole plan of His coming and His salvation was to put into effect a new and living way of accounting so that there could be a justification that was never even dreamed of being possible to apply. And I, I can guarantee you that Satan hates that deal. He absolutely hates that amnesty being offered to the fallen Ophanim that they're suddenly being put into this special kind of accounting that has a policy of redemption that applies and not only goes backwards in time but goes forward in time. Wow. And it delivers people from their offenses. It delivers people from their sins. It delivers people from the evil behavior that they have committed. And it puts them into a, a, a case and scenario of justification. Now, while we are, um, are in Romans, um, let's look again here at um, another scripture. Uh, chapter 5 and verse 18. And it says in Romans 5.18, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men unto justification of life. Now, some will say, now wait a minute, that's not right. Uh, all people aren't getting this. The only people that are really getting this are the ones in my church who are part of the this, or are part of the that. Uh, 
or we're we're the Melchizedek, or we're the 144,000, or we're the the special uh, group that knows more than anybody else, and and uh, you know the rest of these other uh, poor souls, uh, they're just headed for hell. They're going to burn in eternity. That's what there are people out there teaching. That's not what I teach. What I'm teaching is what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's a counterpart that happened from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus. And that the, that this trigger that was pulled initiated the, a free gift to come upon all humanity and to come upon them to the point that they all were put into a mode of justification. Now don't misunderstand where I'm coming from. This doesn't mean that people can just do anything and, and, and no matter what they're forgiven. I'm not teaching that. But I'm teaching you that this availability of justification is already an act that has been done. And the only way that that justification will fail to be applied to any of these people is if any of those people reject and refuse to accept that justification. And believe me, there will be people that will reject it and refuse to accept it. But if you do not reject it and you accept that justification, then you will be justified. That is Bible. That is Bible. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. Now, uh, let's, let's go on to, to uh, some other things. Uh, there's just so much to talk about. Uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. Okay. Um, I want to talk about... Um, let's talk about... Let's... Uh, well... Let's talk just a little bit about hell, okay? That's a pretty interesting subject, ugly one, but interesting. Okay, first of all, first of all, let's talk about the fire. Let's talk about, you know, eternal fire. People burning in the fire, and it being hot, and it burning. Now, I want you to get something straight, and I want you to get something from the Bible, and I want you to hear something from this prophet's mouth. I want you to hear that a spirit cannot burn. A spirit cannot burn. A spirit is not made out of a resolved physiological substance. And a spirit cannot burn. Now, proof of that there's just a couple, just a couple of scriptures. There's more than that. But when the king was so angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they would not bow down to the image that he made, excuse me, would not bow down to the image that he made, that um, they. they were told to heat the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. 
seven times hotter and he uh, he gave the job to the army and they chose several devout men and what they did is they bound these three Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they bound them and then they had to get close enough to the furnace to lift those men and throw their bodies into the furnace. Now bodies weigh considerable amount and just tossing them for any long distance is just not that simple. So they had to get close enough to the furnace that they could carry those bodies and toss it because with the king watching which he was if they would have tossed the body the bodies and they would not have made it into the furnace but would have hit against the, the wall of the furnace and fell down on the, on the ground the king would have been very angry he asked for those bodies to go into the furnace so they understood that so in their attempt to get the bodies into the furnace several of the people from the army that had the job of putting those bodies in there were killed by the heat they were killed that's how hot it was to even approach that furnace to even dare to get so close as to toss a body in it that was a that was a death warrant and that's what it turned out to be for those people that had to get close enough now I'm sure that they held up the bodies of these men to help block the heat so that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego would have been totally exposed to that heat before they even were thrown into the to the furnace and they couldn't do anything because they were tied and bundled up and all they could do was just go in there into the, in the, into the fire now what shortly happened thereafter according to the scripture was that the king all of a sudden stands up and he said what's going on here you threw the three in but now he says I see four in there and I see them walking around what's going on how can that be why it killed those soldiers that just got close enough to toss these three Hebrew children in how could it possibly be a situation like this how could it possibly allow these to walk he says, it, you know and I'm sure he said to some of his attendants and, and other officers can you, can you see that too and I'm sure that they did they said yes there, there are four people in there we don't understand it so the king walked down off his palisade and walked over toward and got as close as he dare get and he hollered out to the children of children he says Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego he says if you can hear me come on out I'll not punish you come on out of the furnace come on out and talk talk to me and of course 
the king had said that fourth one is really different looking it it almost looks like the son of God which was another term they used back in those days for meaning angel and sure enough out walks Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego without the angel none of their hair was singed but the ropes that had bound them were they were they were they were burned up and gone. None of their clothing was singed. And they were alive and not hurt by the fire, and they walked out of the fire. And the king was just absolutely freaked out. And he said, There's no other God that can deliver after this after this order. And he wanted it it made known that all the people were to start worshiping that God. Wow. But I want to I take this into another little knot and, and cut it open. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. How was this happening? How were they able to be thrown into the fire? and not burn or were they thrown into the fire and they would have just almost instantly within within seconds it was so hot they would just burn up so how were they able to be thrown into there and the soldiers actually feeling their body actually feeling them knowing that they were humans how were they able to be thrown in there and the angel to have done anything about it had to keep them from burning and what actually happened so that they didn't burn well they obviously at the very instant that their bodies were leaving the arms of of the soldiers they were at, they were they were touched by the angel and they were dematerialized and then they were put into photo translation so that what was walking around in there was their, was their, like their spirit like a photo translation of them walking around and you can't burn a photo translation you can't burn a spirit and they came out they were still in that photo, photo translation just like Jesus was in the garden when, when Mary saw him and thought it was the gardener he said don't touch me I haven't, I haven't ascended yet he was still in the photo trans, translation and if she had touched him her hand would have went through him he looked like a solid body but he was not And that happened, and then eventually, just slowly, they begin to transform back into their bodies. But the point that I'm wanting to make is that the angel could walk in the fire and not be burned. Fire will not burn a spirit. Now, another example of that is, uh, and just in case you need to know where to look that up, that's in Daniel chapter 3 
verses 19 through 30. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. And the another angel was sent to Manoah. Now Manoah was the father of Samson. And this angel appeared uh, to this to Manoah and his wife. And um, uh, there is this event that takes place in which uh, Manoah makes a sacrifice and he builds this altar and there's these flames that are coming up from it. And when this angel had finished witnessing and giving instructions to Manoah and his wife about Samuel who was not yet born, he just walks into the flame and goes up into the flame and ascends on up to where he was was going to make a connection. The flame did not burn him. The flame did not scorch him. So, when a person dies and their spirit supposedly goes to hell, as some people are saying, ladies and gentlemen, this idea about them being in hell and burning is not scriptural. Someone says, oh yes it is, I know right where it's at. No, you don't. You just think you know where it's at. If you knew the Bible, you wouldn't even be talking like that. Obviously, you are what we call a rank beginner. Don't get mad. Finish this thing out now, because I'm going to show you some things. Just hang and hold. The fact of the matter is, is people have got a lot of things really, really, really mixed up. Just incredibly mixed up. And it's, it, it, it's freakish. Absolutely freakish. Okay. That scripture, in case I didn't give it to you, on that angel that went up in the flame of fire, is Judges 13 verses 16 through 20 Judges 13 verses 16 through 20 so you can look that up for yourself now I want you to turn with me to um, to Mark the gospel of Mark I don't want to read something there to you about hell I, I want you to really get this because this um, will be very important, very important to you. We're going we're gonna to look at this. Okay. Um, let's look at what this says. Mark um, chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 43. And if, this is Jesus speaking, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that can never be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now when a person reads that, they think, yeah, well, there you are. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But wait a minute. you got to read the whole thing. This also has an and. Sinadaki. You know? 
This is so important. This is so important. Okay. Let's look and see just what that fire is. We need to know what that fire is. Go down to the 49th verse. Mark. You're in chapter 9. For everyone shall be salted with fire. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltiness, wherefore will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Now, ladies and gentlemen, salt is fire. What he is calling fire, he is also calling salt. It's going to be salted with fire. That is, becomes the salt. Yeah, I'm salting it. Yeah, how are you salting it? I'm salting it with fire. That's the, that's the salt. It's fire. Now, this kind of fire, obviously, is something totally different than what people are connecting to what, what fire is. They're thinking of a fire that burns down a house, that that's, that uh, melts steel, that's in a fireplace or or you know in a furnace. That is not what this fire is. This is right in the chapter here. This is right in the context here. And so this salt is something that everybody's even supposed to have in themselves. But if they don't have it then they got a problem because it says salt is good but if the salt has lost its saltiness the salt doesn't have any fire in it <laughs> then where will how will you season anything you won't be able to and so we are talking about something entirely different when it's talking about fire here because if we're just talking about regular old oven type of fire, you can't burn a spirit in that. Now let's look over this scripture here, because there's something strange about it. Verse 43, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed. Oh, wait a minute. Where are you at that you're going to get this hand cut off? I mean, I thought you were already a living person on the planet Earth, alive, and something happened to one of your hands. Maybe you got an infection in it. And you needed to cut one of them off. I thought that that was the situation. But it says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed. Well, you mean this person who's thinking about getting his hand cut off hasn't even entered into life yet? Where is he? Where in the world is that person? Or she? Hasn't even entered into life yet. Because it's better, you know, that you decide to go in maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire, that never shall be quenched. If you go into this life, if you, if you make a decision to go into this life, and you have an impediment 
And you say, but I don't want to get rid of that. That's, that's an outstanding feature of mine. We say, well, hey, you know, you're better off. You're getting ready to go be regenerated here. You're, you're better off uh, to go ahead and, and go in there without that what you think is a feature. Uh, because, you know, uh, otherwise uh, it is going to affect you so that, so that you don't have any salt. So you're, you're a person without salt. Without salt, what are you talking about? Yeah, fire. You're without fire. You'll have no fire, you know? And, and, and you'll go into this fire. Now, this thing with syntonic fire uh, is, is of this nature. We've done some teaching on it. Syntonic fire, the, the amtristic syntonic fire of God. Uh, when a person uh, receives this syntonic fire and their spirit is attuned with God and they are aligned with God, it, it, it does wonderful things to them. It heals them. It, it attunes them. It, it sanctifies them. But when a person who is not attuned with God, who is not aligned with God, receives this syntonic fire, it is destructive. It, it, it can affect how the spirit feels, how the spirit is capable. And so there's something very deep here. Now, just to prove it, <laughs> we can throw some more wrenches in here. Verse 47. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye. <clears throat> what? You mean there are one-eyed people going to be in, in, in the kingdom of God? You mean there's going to be people go into the kingdom of God because before they got there they had to have one of their eyes plucked out and it would be better for them to go into the kingdom of God with one eye <laughs> come on <clears throat> this is a parable and this is a deep revelation and this is not talking about the kind of hell that people have been saying that it is and the punishment and all that kind of thing and terrifying people and putting people full of fear and making them uh, think that they got some horrible judgment coming and if they don't go to church and they don't start paying their tithing they don't start giving offerings that they'll pay forever uh, and ever in the flames of fire I, 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 I condemn that kind of teaching I condemn it I know that that is not the meaning of the Bible that is not the intent of this of this uh, word that Jesus was teaching, and I wish I had the time to really, really, in detail, explain this whole parable, because it is a sermon all in its own, and it's quite beautiful, and it incorporates a lot of things about regeneration, and it incorporates things about you know the different states, Abraham's bosom, and and the, and, and Upper Hades, Lower Hades, and all all these different states of what is called hell, but you know I don't I don't uh, I don't have time uh, to to get into that tonight. But that certainly should open your mind. That certainly should give you uh, some ideas uh, that uh, that people that are just making a flat out uh, decision to uh, to put an application on this uh, uh, without denoting all of these absolutely particularities that, that are an, that are essentially a part of the ultimate interpretation uh, then you know they really 
they really have a problem. Uh, they actually do. Now, chapter 12 of Luke, verse 4. I say unto you, friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that they can do, they, they cannot do anything else. Well, uh, let's just think about that in a sensible way. Let's say that somebody was getting ready to kill you, or you were You'd been captured by the enemy and they're putting you in the firing line. And then someone read the scripture to you. Do not be afraid of those that can kill you. Would you then instantly just say, oh, okay, well, that's from the Bible. Oh, okay. That settles it. Then I'm just not going to be afraid. Would it be that simple? Or would you find that your teeth are still chattering, your hands are still shaking, and your hair is still standing up on end. Very likely all of those things. But the point of it is, is the message that is conveyed. Because what it is saying, these people that are involved in taking your life, that's as far as they can go. They can take that life. They can only take that life. They can't affect any other lives that you will be regenerated on. They can't do that. They do not have that power. They do not have that right of decision. So that's only that life, whatever brings about that death, whether it's an accident, whether it's a disease, whether, whether it's some uh, circumstances beyond control, whatever it is that ends up shortcutting and, and, and shortening the lifetime of a person and taking their life, that is not something that you are to become embroidered with fear about. Because you still have the promise and the guarantee of a time and a chance. And you are going to get your time. You are, nothing is going to stop you on this earth or in heaven from getting your time <coughs> of opportunity that will make you equal to every single other person that has ever lived before, ever going to live, and is ever living right now. You will get your time. You will get your chance. That's a guarantee of the Bible. <clears throat> Verse 5. For I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Or let's just do away with that lousy translation of fear. And, and uh, let's put in there, I'll forewarn you of whom you, you should uh, uh, respect or whom you should uh, give uh, uh, your attention to. Um, pay attention to the person which, after he is killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say, pay attention to him. Now that still sounds awful nasty unless you read in Peter, Second Peter, where it talks about being cast into, um, into hell, and, uh, and you find out that the, that the scripture uh, in Second Peter 2.4, where the angels that sinned were, were cast down to hell, literally means concordance number 5020 in the Greek, and that means Tartaru, and Tartaru 
is the whole meaning of spirits being uh, uh, encapsulated, being being bound in the cellular chains of human bodies. So, what the scripture here is really saying, you need to pay attention to him who can be involved in in saying, okay, you, you know, your time, it's your time, you have to go. Even though you don't want it to go, you have to go. But don't be afraid of someone that just takes it, but be afraid of the person that has that power to do that, but also has the same power to justify everything and then allow you a chance to go back into this Tartaru and to finish living out in another body. Another body, what you didn't get to complete so that you are able to fulfill your time and your chance according to the promise of the Word of God in another body. And that's the power of regeneration. And, and if you don't believe in regeneration, and you don't believe, then you're like a person who doesn't believe in the resurrection. And Paul said, hey, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then you might as well forget being religious. Because everything you're believing about, everything you're talking about, has absolutely no value. If Jesus didn't, didn't resurrect, then anything we're preaching about and talking about is totally in vain. And you might as well just say, hey, let's eat and drink. Today we live, tomorrow we die. Because he said, that'll be the end of it, period. And it's the same thing with this regeneration. If you don't understand this power of regeneration, you don't understand this power, you know, to be able to come back and, 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 and God to, to give you a chance to live out your unfinished time. If you don't understand that a baby that gets aborted or a baby that dies, dies, that that baby just is, isn't just, you know, lost. Well, he, he had a chance to live. Yeah, well, how long did he live? Well, I think this particular baby only lived about, um, about four and a half minutes after it came out of the mother's womb. Uh, but I mean, it did get four and a half minutes. Uh huh. So did it get to hear the gospel? Uh, did it get to uh, be held by its mother? Uh, did, it, did it get to milk its mother's breast? Did it get a chance for its brain to develop? Of course not. That baby never got the time and a chance. And according to the accounting of God, that baby will get the time and a chance. That baby will come back as it teaches it in the 16th chapter uh, of Ezekiel, as it teaches it in, in, in the, the book of, of Jeremiah, as it teaches it in the book of, of Matthew. Wow. So, we need to know, hell isn't always what, you know, the Bible says uh, that Jonah... Uh, cried unto God out of the belly of hell and that was you know uh, uh, at least for a period of time that was a very earthly founded location we need to get this figured out about these these you know these different hells and uh, like this thing on Tartaru that's upper shield and uh, that's the place of the incarceration of the uh, of, of uh, you know of the progeny of God's Ophim uh, is uh, also the t uh, terrestrial limitations of where spirits are held captive in lower accelerations of physical bindings and cords of flesh. It's the imprisonment of the Ophim of the Ophim through the emerging generations of human habitation in the human cell chains of darkness. It's the place of diminishing accelerations. Come on people. 
It's the human habitation and human cell chains of darkness, yes. The place of diminishing accelerations, yes. The lost memories and the many burnings of human lives and human experiences. This is the first degree. The second degree is, is, is called by some lower shield and is the place of physical death of the human body house, the first death. So you've got, you've got these seven circuits or seven states, seven separation zones that have, are called hell. Uh, the second, you know, uh, that's the first degree, that's the second degree. The third degree is called by some upper Hades. It's also known as lower paradise or Abraham's bosom. It's, the, it's when Jesus said to the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. He was talking about upper Hades. It's the sleep, it's the place of spirits that have not yet overcome the Tartaru. And they're waiting to rebound to the emerging generations again. That's the third degree. Then there's the fourth degree, which is lower Hades, the sleep, the place of degenerating spirits. They are becoming more degenerated by their sins during their courses and cycles in the Tartaru burnings. The fifth degree is Upper Gehenna, the judgment hold of condemned spirits waiting for their final judgment of the second death, the second death, the chambers of death, the place of mental anguish, of torment, of the burning fires of their consciousness. And the sixth degree is the place of Lower Gehenna. It's the Lower Gehenna, or the Lake of Fire, uh, the end of the universe, the fiery compressions of the deep, the second death, the unquenchable fire, the blackness of darkness, the forever end, the final sentence of the great judgment of, to, of, to all spirits that lose their aura souls. The seventh degree, and I want to especially emphasize this and repeat it slowly and clearly uh, for the sake of my friend Larry and his wife, because he asked me to uh, give him a repeat of this and I've just been so busy I haven't been able to do it but here we go the seventh degree is the place of upper paradise third heaven the abode of spirits that have overcome the burning of Tartaru but have not yet received their regenerated forms or bodies the abode of the bodies of the photo transitioning angels I'll read it again. The seventh degree is the place of upper paradise. Third heaven, where Paul went. It's the abode of spirits that have overcome the burning of Tartaru, but have not yet received their regenerated forms, bodies. Um, the abode of the bodies of the, of the photo-transitioning angels. Okay, how are we doing? Are you, are you still there? Are you, are you all right? <laughs> wow. That's a lot of stuff. And understand, <clears throat> I can't get into the fullness, the full dimension of this on a blog. I can't get into the full dimension of this on a, you know, uh, on a, a sermon that I do over this broadcast. Uh, you know, this is almost like uh, having the need of a book of information, which we do have books of information that has the, these things brought out in, in very specific and delicate form. And, and very concordant-like of, of all of what they offer in an exhausted type of way. So they're absolutely wonderful and beautiful as to all what they offer. Okay, so, uh, wow, uh, there is so much more, but I mean, there, there's only 
only so much time, and yet uh, I'm not finished. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Okay, um, I got to take a break from that. We we we've got to get back into uh, into talking about uh, you know something um, you know very important um, so that we don't miss out on uh, these teachings that we promised to teach. Um, let's um, let's get into uh, the book of Corinthians. And let's uh, let's look at Corinthians 13 and um, verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. Uh, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away foolish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, then shall I know even as I also am known. Now, and so there is that revelation. Now, I want to apply this to continuous revelation. And I want to say that you can take this back into time. And that there are certain instincts that are born within people. That, that they have a sense of. Like sometimes when I have talked about uh, other worlds. And when I've talked about a belonging. That, that, that some of us people feel of belonging to that other world there are people that, that will say hey, as soon as you said that I had a witness in me I knew that was true I knew that was of God I have always known this even before then even as a young person I've always had this sense of belonging to, to somewhere else uh, there is some things that we intuitively spiritually know there are some things that are deep within our subconscious and it takes a triggering to come out but we know in part and we prophesy in part that means we're 50% on and 50% off 50% right and 50% wrong and that's the way it is out there in the religious world and the only way that you can change that is you have to come past being a child and so it says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now what is the explanation about when that which is perfect has come? Well, it gives you this scenario, which is the parable that tells you the answer. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away foolish things. Now you're going to have people that, that are going to interpret that. And they're going to say, well... Uh, what that means is that when you uh, get to heaven, uh, then you're going to understand everything. No, I beg your pardon, sir or ma'am, that is not what that says. Are you trying to tell me that, that the Bible is saying that only ch children are, are, are going to be able to live on this planet and that you will never be able to reach the maturity of adulthood? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, you might as well go out there and talk to the wind and spit in it as you're doing it because I will never believe that as long as I live um, this is talking about a growing up that is to happen a maturity that is to happen it's talking about you know the 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 bride of Christ the, 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 the men and women coming together and merging and becoming uh, uh, this bride of Christ uh, it's talking about this adulthood, this coming out of the of the childish part of just knowing in part. It's saying 
that this is a message uh, to the churches. This is a message to priests. This is a message to ministers. This is a message to prophets. This is a message that there is an absolute vital essential necessity that people go beyond that part and that part belongs to a childhood thing. And if you're living in this childhood mentality where you're never getting out of third grade, you're never advancing, you're never going up to the top of this flight of stairs, you're just playing around on the one, two, three, three stairs up and three steps down, three steps up and three steps up, one, two, three up, one, two, three down. And you never go on to the to the fourth step, the fifth, the sixth, and seventh, and get up on top of the of the level where you are able to see beyond the treetops and beyond the mountaintops, where you're able to get into that higher aspect of the mind, that there is a place in God of this fullness of vision, fullness of understanding. It's a part of the fulfillment that the prophecy is waiting for. Hey, we talked about the intelligence of the scripture. Well, there's an intelligence in the Bible and in the scripture, and the, and the scripture is waiting to fulfill itself where it says, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's just waiting. <clears throat> and when the right unction comes on, there's going to be a, 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 a former rain and a latter rain, and it's going to spill out upon this earth and and millions and millions of people are suddenly going to become awakened uh, to these trumpets and to these thunderings and to these lightnings and they're going to say my God <clears throat> why haven't I seen this before <clears throat> praise God it's, it's incredible it's exciting excuse me I just got to get a little sip of water there okay feels better so that is is the fulfillment um, here's the thing when that which is perfect is come okay how's it going to come well you have to reach a point when as a child uh, you, you get past that state and, and that you finally become a man and when you become a man what do you do the Bible says let us go on to perfection not laying again those same works there comes a time you don't want to lay again those same works this redundancy it is not the plan of God. It is not the plan of salvation. It is not the will of God. God does not want you to live in redundancy. He wants you to move on. And the song says, Move on, brother. Move on, sister. This is the moving day. And so it's exciting. And I'm excited. And you should be excited. Because it is telling us what we need to know here. <clears throat> and so... Then it says, when you become a man, you put away childish things. Now, some people are trying to interpret this, so that the child is never put, a, put away. The child is just left on earth, and you don't become a man until you're in heaven. That's, that's, that's baloney. That's not true. You have to complete the act of putting away the childness. You have to know that you have grown in the manhood, that you have matured in the knowledge of the knowing of these things of God. And when you reach that point, you are ready to then begin to abide in faith, hope, and charity. Praise God. Whoa. And so, to me, that's a proof right there of continuous revelation. It's a process that is going to go on all your life and that God's going to respect your person and that's going to continue to happen for every person that comes along and, and to every person uh, there is going to be um, that special revelation 
that they will receive. And the Bible says that um, uh, that that, uh, it, that the way it works that is that that every man's order uh, has a a special um, uh, 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 you know a special application uh, that can be found in First uh, Corinthians fifteen verse twenty three. Uh, but every man in his own order. And, and so every man in his own order is going to receive these things, and that is how it's going to happen. Okay, now let's look at at, um, uh, at Corinthians, Second um, Corinthians. Let's go over to Second Corinthians. We got to move along here. Second Corinthians. Okay, Second Corinthians, um, and we'll look at chapter three, and we'll start with uh, verse fifteen. And I, I quoted this to you early, but now you've got the verse. I quoted it earlier. Now you have the verse. Uh, that's Second Corinthians chapter three, verse fifteen through eighteen. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Even to this day, all those generations, all those years, all of those rivers <laughs> and mountains, all of that geology, all that terra firma. All of those storms of life, all of those that lived, all of those that died, all the time that passed on, all the way up to the day in Second Corinthians that that Paul is writing here, after the coming of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, even into that day when Moses is read, they are reading it with a veil upon their heart. They are reading it thinking it says one thing, but they are not understanding what it is really saying. So they are not coming into the knowledge of the truth. Nevertheless, when, it, when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Spirit, now the, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where that Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's what this message about today. This message is telling us there is continuous revelation. It's not going to stop. And it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that is the power of transassimilation. Now, what is transassimilation? Jesus tried to teach it in a very simple way to the, to the multitudes, and they could not stand it. He said to them, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of, of God. And they, they began to leave him. <coughs> they couldn't understand that. They couldn't, they couldn't follow that. <coughs> okay, so <coughs> where are we at here? All right, here's where we're at. The blood, the blood. The blood, the Bible tells us, means life. So Jesus was saying that you are going to have to take on my life. You're going to have to transassimilate my life. And how I lived in my human body, not how I live in my spiritual body, 
That is going to be your job to do that, and that's called transassimilation. And that is that is really taking on the blood of Jesus. And if you think that that the blood is just the pierced hands and the thrust at side and the prickings of the crown on his forehead and head, you have missed the revelation. You have missed it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was not the first human being to be crucified. This was a Roman method. And they were crucifying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people before Jesus ever went to the cross. Lots of people went to the cross. And the Bible tells us that, that yes, that without the blood, there cannot be there cannot be forgiveness of sins. But until Jesus, it was a a cruel sacrifice. It was animals that were killed. And it's quite an, a deal of how they were burned and, and the whole process of their blood and fat being spilled out. And all the sprinkling processes. And the Bible tells us that this human body, in Ecclesiastes it says that that the preacher prayed that humans would understand and that it would be manifested to them that we are beasts. And Jesus didn't take on the body of an angel. He took on the nature of like unto his brothers. He took on that human beast body. And the sacrifice of the human body is like the sacrifice of another beast now some of you might get really upset at that but don't blow your fuse yet but what they have really missed is what they have seen in the shadow and the type what they have seen in the pattern and they thought that that was the message they have missed it they have missed it that not by not understanding that the real message of the blood and of the bread is the body and the life of Jesus Christ being assimilated by God's people and that is the real message that is not the message of just going and standing in line and taking a communion and I'm not knocking that I think that's a nice and beautiful thing to do and you just keep doing it that's fine I'm not judging it but that is just a, a pattern. That is just a shadow and a type. That is not the real message. The real message beyond the parable is the transsimulation of the life and body of Jesus Christ. And there is lots of scripture, ladies and gentlemen, for that. Now, let's just take a minute here and Let's look. Uh, let's look at uh, Galatians. Go to Galatians. There's a couple interesting things I want to read here. In Galatians chapter one, verse sixteen, 
Here is a beautiful scripture that really says what I am saying. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. <laughs> to reveal his son in me. It's not just the flesh and blood thing. It's a spiritual nature thing living in the flesh and blood and to reveal his son in me and I didn't go up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me but I went into Arabia and returned to Damascus then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for 15 days <laughs> he did not do it the regular way he was not trapped. And that's why Paul had such an extensive amount of revelation. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely incredible. Wow. Wow. We've got to get this picture of these patterns and types. Just like in Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Bondmaid, free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with your children. There is a physical Jerusalem and that physical Jerusalem is the other part of this parable and it is in bondage just like the covenant that is the Sinai bondage which happened in Arabia but there is a Jerusalem another Jerusalem that is above this is the Jerusalem that the Bible talks about coming down from heaven and it is free and it is the mother of us all I'm telling you if you get, if you get into this physical trait if you get into the physical development of parables in a literal sense so that you are applying them that way then you are among those people who are bound and still have a veil over their heart and just like it happened from the days of Moses with all his revelations they were bound with that and they could not ever see the real meaning of the real truth of all the allegories and all the symbols and all the metaphors they could never get out of the shadows and types but God is wanting to take people out of the shadows and types. He's wanting to bring us beyond that. Now, Ephesians, we're, we're, we just can't go on forever here. My goodness, you've been so patient. But I don't think you want me to quit just yet. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, Verse 9, 
having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has pur- purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, plural, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I just want to share with you is that these dispensations of the fullness are denoted here in the Bible as being distributed through the times of what people are living here on this planet Earth. And that time may even go on as it is noted here to when people are also living in the heavens. And this dispensation or this dispensation broken into the different times is an ongoing thing which this along with the other scripture that I proved, that I gave you really does prove continuous revelation. That it is set in the word that revelation is to go on and on and on. It's, it's a part of that part which is a part and it has to keep developing until you have a, a wholeness of the revelation and you are mature. It, it is a part of the the, the pouring out of the various dispensation of times, of the times that are past, of the times that are present, of the times that are future. <clears throat> it is ongoing, and it is a continuum, and planned to be ongoing. And it did not end with the disciples. And it did not end with the book of Revelation. It did not end with Paul. Because the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of wisdom and knowledge were given out for people to get those gifts and for that that apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, hand of God to continue and as it continued and more and more people throughout the courses of, of the dispensation of times began to get it then they were given prophecies they were speaking mysteries of God they were, they were speaking mysteries in tongues of things they didn't even understand but were mysteries of God being revealed in a continuum. That is Bible. That is what the Bible says. That is what the Bible teaches. That is the Word of God. That is the Word of God. And the Scripture says in John twenty one twenty five, if all of the things were written that should be written that not even not even the world could contain it or comprehend it that if all the things were written that should be written that left the book open ladies and gentlemen the opening of the seven seals of the thunders left the book open, ladies and gentlemen. So continuous revelation is the plan of God. Now how does this eternal justification work? Here's, here's the importance. When you meet someone, and let's say that they are 16, 18, 21 to 24 years old, and they are just in, they're in trouble with their family. They're in trouble with the law. They have a hateful disposition. You don't trust them. They don't tell the truth. 
you wouldn't be surprised if they didn't if they wouldn't steal or, or kill and you looked at that person you judged that person's life you would probably think in terms of of doom you'd probably think you know that person you know they they're just they're just doomed they with their with their attitude and with their thinking uh, they're just going to end up in prison they're going to kill somebody it's going to be their end but then let's say you meet that person when they're 50 years old or 55 years old and they are the kindest most caring most loving person such a total gentle person and you find out that that person is the person that used to be the other person that was just an intolerable person that seemed to be doomed so when a person is able to look at a life through the span of that life and then take that life collectively and weigh it in the balance and take all of the the good parts and the bad parts and put it in to the weights there is often the case especially with the justification of God's grace and mercy where that person that has turned and changed is good will is that person's good will outweigh that person's not good that they had lived in another time that is only in a present life now if you're able to take that and apply that to persons that may need to live more than one life to work out their time and chance so that and there could be spans spans of forever in between the times that that happens we don't know that but forever is nothing different than the vanishing point which means beyond what you can see it takes two forevers to make one eternity that's why it says forever and ever otherwise that would be redundant and so when you have that forever and ever equaling eternity you have that potential of eternal justification that after the summation of that person's totality of their lives that they have more to the weight of good especially with the the application of justification and therefore that person is deemed to be redeemed and deemed to be saved and that ends up being the summation that they receive through this eternal justification that is why that is specifically and definitely and absolutely why that Jesus said thou shalt not judge for with ju what judgment you judge you will be judged but I'll make you a deal if you will refuse to judge if you will not judge then here's my deal you will not be judged wow what a deal the best deal I ever heard offered anywhere on the planet ever anywhere oh I have to admit we've not scratched the surface of this word and of this teaching we have touched into it a little bit it is so deep it is so provocative
it is so climbing up to heaven up to a star with a shoestring in your hand it is so a path of specialty of a calling beyond your flesh and beyond the mortal I have to end that though for tonight here's what I'd like to share with you tonight as we get into this next subject <coughs> I'd hope to have enough time <coughs> to cover answering some questions that people have asked me on the blogs and I just couldn't get around to I obviously couldn't get to it tonight but I thought that if you people would like to ask some questions about any of the teachings about questions you have in the Bible and you would like to I will allow you up to five questions don't give me six don't give me seven that would be your maximum you don't have to give me five you can give me one or two but I'll allow you up to five questions and don't make one question turn out to be three or four a question is about one entity one subject so or if you, you know you, if you add other things to it about the same subject that becomes more than one question so one question five questions one question per subject five questions and you write me at Lee all lowercase Lee L-E-E dot Jerry Jerry with a J J-E-R-R-Y dot O at gmail dot com Lee dot Jerry dot O at gmail dot com and you give me the list of your five questions next week next Sunday night Lord willing we are going to devote that whole service to answering the people's questions this is your chance write those out get it, now do not send it to me on late Saturday night the night before Sunday get these off to me as soon as it's possible for you to do so I have a little bit of time to, to organize these questions and sort of put them together so that I'm not just uh, uh, running all over the place if you will get that to me then I will, Lord willing, answer those questions this next coming Sunday. That should be a very, very interesting thing. Okay, now I want to talk about the Gentile and what I want you to do. I'm not going to do regular Gentile tonight. Instead, what I wanted to do is talk about some, something else about Gentile. I need some input from some of you people who have received healings. And I need you to write me at that same uh, uh, email uh, lee.jerry.o at gmail.com and to write me and to tell me about your healings and then also to make requests you may have friends that are in dire need they need a particular kind of a healing or family people and if you will give me those specific uh, names and specific uh, persons uh, and specific requests then I will deal with those Lord willing next Sunday and we will have a wonderful time 
and it will be so interesting. So if you will do that for me, and please keep involved in our our, our post and our blogs. Uh, there are, in addition to the blogs that we do on on Star Rise, there are these posts, and like we're having a lot of people coming in and reading those. You know, some some of those posts have gotten over 400 views, and 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 there's a lot of people on reading those. So, but but a lot of people are missing. They're missing the the love blogs. Uh, you have to go in, come back in, to get to the love blogs. And, uh, and some, there's a couple of those there also. And then of course there are the regular, uh, the regular blogs. And we would like you to make comments if you would, even if you just said I witnessed this blog. It, it, it really is helpful to us. God bless you so much. And God bless all you people who have prayed for us and who have been good to financially help us. God bless all of you. Until next week, God bless you. Be sure to follow you broadcast on Twitter.